Good evening, everyone. Does everybody have an outline? Very important, very important. Does everybody have a pen to take notes? Ah, if you don't, ask your neighbor. Hopefully they can give you one. You know, the palest ink is better than the best memory. The palest ink is better than the best memory. So uh, we always encourage everyone to take notes. Because you never know when the Lord might speak to you, you need to write it down instead of trying to remember it. And then you try to remember a month or two later and it's not there anymore. So I want to encourage all you guys to take notes. Tonight we're on the Passover and the past two weeks we've been in Exodus 3. We've seen God's calling of Moses to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt and into a land flowing with milk and honey. We're actually jumping to Exodus 12 tonight, but just to catch you up on kind of what's going on in the chapters uh, before uh, Exodus 3 and 12. You know, Moses, he gets his calling and then he goes to Pharaoh. And do you remember what he says? It's kind of famous what he says to Pharaoh. Does anybody remember? Let my people go. Exactly. Let my people go. And of course, Pharaoh doesn't cooperate. He resists. And so there's a series of conflicts and plagues uh, which God um, executes on Egypt. And this was uh, the purpose of judging the world, uh, which is uh, Egypt, typified by Egypt, and judging Pharaoh, who typifies Satan, so that God could have his people to get out of there, make an exodus into the good land for the fulfillment of God's purpose. And the final conflict uh, was the tenth plague, and this was the slaughter of the firstborn. And that brings us to Exodus 12, where we have this wonderful crystal in the book of Exodus, the Passover. So we're going to see something marvelous tonight, everybody. And I hope we're all impressed with this matter that we're going to see tonight how God defines our Christian life in one word. Can you believe that? Do you want to know what that is? Well, we'll all know by the end of tonight. All right. Okay, how about let's read the title together. Ready, go. And let's read Roman 1. Ready, go. Okay, John 1.29. Ready, go. Okay, and 1 Corinthians 5, 7b, ready, go. Okay, I want you to underline in John 1, 21, Lamb of God. So John here is the Lord's forerunner. He got the revelation that this man, Jesus, walking, he says, behold, this man is the Lamb of God, the Passover Lamb. But the Apostle Paul, he continues in 1 Corinthians, and he even goes a step further, and what does he say? He says, for our Passover, Christ also has been sacrificed. Notice that he didn't say, for our Passover Lamb, Christ has been sacrificed. But he says our Passover Christ has been sacrificed. And so we see here that all the aspects of the Passover, in addition to the lamb, the Passover lamb, are a type of Christ. And we're going to see some of these aspects tonight. Okay, can we go to uh, letter A there? Read that. Ready, go. The noun Passover and from the verb Passover, it is that the judgment 
Okay, let's read Exodus 12, 13. Ready, go. And the Okay, underline, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Thank the Lord for the blood of Christ. He came as the sinless lamb, um, accomplished judicial redemption, shed his precious, precious blood on the cross. The Lord's blood answered God's righteous requirement and accomplished an awesome judicial redemption. Because of this awesome judicial redemption, thank the Lord for his precious blood. Now we can have the judgment of God pass over us because the precious blood of the Passover lamb, our Lord Jesus Christ. But the question, okay, brothers and sisters, um, you know, this blood, it was applied in a very specific place. Does anybody know where the blood was applied in Exodus 12? The children, they slayed the lamb, they took the blood, took a bunch of hyssop, and they applied it. Where did they apply it? Does anybody know? Yeah, the door. The door, okay. Why not the roof? Yeah. You know, if you're passing over some houses, yeah. you know, the main thing, you're looking at the roof. Oh, yeah. right. You've been in an airplane, you know, you're about to land, you're looking out the window, you're just seeing a bunch of roofs as you pass over them. Why the door? Why was the blood of Christ, the Passover lamb, applied to the door of the house? Well, this is wonderful because it's the blood of Christ that gives us an entrance into Christ. So can we uh, read Exodus? Or let's read that point B right there. Ready, go. Exodus 12, 23, ready, go. Okay, remember, Christ, our Passover. He's not only the Passover lamb, but he's every aspect of the Passover. Have you ever considered that the house is Christ? No doubt we're all familiar with Christ being the Passover lamb, but the house is Christ. And we have to realize, how in the world do we get into Christ? So many times you read in the word in the New Testament, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. What gave us an entrance to get into this wonderful person? It was the precious blood applied with a bunch of hyssop to the lintel and the two doorposts. And brothers and sisters, it is in this wonderful person that we have redemption. So this is why Exodus is so crucial and it's a wonderful picture, a full picture of redemption because we see it's the blood that ushered us into Christ, gave us an entrance into Christ. It paved the way for us to get into him and it's in him because we are in him that God's judgment passes over us. In Christ, 
peace and enjoyment are our portion. Amen. We're in Christ and we don't have to uh, worry about falling under the judgment of God. We don't have to worry about the destroyer coming into our houses to smite us. Praise him. Amen. What a safe place we are. Yeah. When we prayed, when we received the Lord, we not only believed in him, but we believed into him. Amen. And we passed through that door that had the blood applied and we got into Christ. Amen. Aren't y'all glad to be in Christ? Yes. It is in this wonderful person in whom we have redemption. Yeah. So you look at Ephesians 1, 6, and 7. It ends with the beloved. And then Paul goes on to say, in whom we have redemption. It's in this wonderful person that we have redemption. And he says, in whom we have redemption through his blood. So the blood is the means by which we entered into Christ and we applied him through our bunch of hyssop, our little faith. Okay. Now here's the uh, million dollar question. Here's the million dollar question. The children of Israel, they were in the house. But what in the world were they doing in the house? Yeah. You know, um, the Passover, if you grew up in Sunday school, you're probably very familiar. You know, it's a pretty epic story, right? And if you could ask yourself, what is the emphasis or the focus of the Passover? You could boil it down. And what, if God wanted to concentrate on something, emphasize something, focus on something, what would it be? Summer, do you have a guess? What's the emphasis of the Passover? Robert, what's the emphasis of the Passover? What's the focus, bro? Saving God's people. Okay, amen. Saving God's people. Michaela, what do you think is the emphasis of the Passover? Redeeming us. Redeeming us. Excellent. Okay. Josh, what do you think, man? Redeeming. Mm-hmm. For sure, man. Praise the Lord for the blood of Christ. Okay. Um, as I was getting into Exodus 12, I started counting verses. What verses talk about the blood? And what verses talk about eating? Um, does anybody have a guess what number of verses in Exodus 12 reference the blood of the lamb, the Passover lamb? Four, two, three, one. Four, two, three, twenty? Okay. Okay. Four. Okay. How about this question? How many verses in Exodus 12 reference eating? What? Twelve. Twelve? Fourteen. Fourteen? Eight? How about eighteen? Would you have thought that? Four verses on the blood, eighteen verses concerning eating. So I'd encourage you some homework. Y'all go and count yourselves. <laughs> count the verses that talk about the blood and count the verses that talk about eating and tell me what you come up with. So if I ask you the question again, you know, Exodus 12, it's on the Passover. What's the emphasis, the focus of the Passover? Eating. Okay, we're going to see this. All right, let's, um, 
Let's read letter C there. Ready, go. Okay, so redemption, we applied the blood, gave us an entrance into Christ. Now we're in him as the house. We're safe, safe from God's judgment. What are we going to do that we're in, when we're in the house? We're going to eat, brothers and sisters. So the rest of this message is going to be a spiritual x-ray of what is going on in the house. So let's read... Um, Let's read Exodus 12, uh, 7 through 8a. Ready, go. <laughs> so where was the eating taking place? Inside the house. Inside the house. If we're in Christ, what are we doing in Christ? Eating Christ. We're eating Christ. Oh. We got into him, and he wants to get into us. Amen. That's why we have this record here. Um, they applied the blood on the doorpost and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. Amen. That it right there is the flesh of the roasted Passover lamb, which is Christ is our life supply. Amen. So the flesh is the crucified and resurrected Christ to be eaten for our life supply. And brothers and sisters, here we have um, with the blood of the Passover lamb, this is God's judicial redemption, satisfying his righteous requirements, which there's no way we could satisfy them. But praise the Lord, Christ satisfied them by shedding his blood. But not only that, eating of the flesh of the Passover lamb is God's organic salvation. So with the blood of the Passover lamb, there's judicial redemption. And with eating of the flesh of the Passover lamb, there's organic salvation. And we're in Christ now, and Christ wants to be our life supply. So can we read John 6, 53a, please? Ready, go. Okay, in John chapter 1, we read the verse already. Um, John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Yeah. Right there you have judicial redemption. But in John chapter 6, five chapters later, right. here's the Lord speaking. The whole chapter is about eating. Yeah. What does he say? My flesh is true food. Amen. That flesh is the roasted flesh of the Passover lamb in type. And here the Lord is saying, my flesh is true food. You know what the true food is, brothers and sisters? It's not the pizza that we had tonight. Yeah. The real food, the true food is the flesh of the Passover lamb Amen. to be our life supply. And you know what food does? Food supplies. Yeah. Yeah. Food strengthens. Yeah. Food energizes. Yeah. And, you know, if you consider the, um, the situation of the children of Israel, they were in Egypt, but God has a purpose, right? Yeah. That's the meaning of the universe is God's purpose. And there's no way that God's purpose could have been fulfilled if the um, children of Israel just stayed in Egypt. Yeah. Even though they may have been redeemed, yeah. the judgment of God passed over them. Yeah. But even still, God has a purpose. Yeah. So they need to make an exodus out of the world, out of Egypt, into the good land. Yeah. But what is going to be the strengthening, supplying, energizing factor for their movement out of the world? 
It's the flesh of the Passover lamb. The flesh of the Passover lamb energizes us to move out of the world. Just consider, um, you know, the world is, um, we're fighting the world. You know, the world is the system designed by Satan to usurp us, take up our time so that our time would not be for God's purpose, but it would be against God's purpose. And have you ever had this experience, you know, uh, you have the inkling to get on Facebook and one click, two clicks, 50 clicks, and then two hours have gone by and you're like, what in the world happened, and where did the time go? That's the world. And you know what? There's a solution, though, to the world. You know, we're being grabbed here for a time. Satan's trying to usurp us, uh, take up our time to not be used for God's purpose. What is the solution to overcoming the world? Eating, Eating is the way. Yeah. Eating the flesh of the Passover lamb energizes us to move out of the world. Amen. So I hope we would all be impressed with this. We're all still battling the world right now. Eating is the way. Yeah. Eating the flesh of the Passover lamb. Okay. Now, this Passover lamb, it's the crucified and resurrected Christ. But, you know, consider the Lord. Did he ever sin? No. He was the sinless one. So, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, he's the crucified one. He's the resurrected one. But he's also the sinless one. Crucified, resurrected, and sinless. So that brings us to the next point. This is why we have the next point. And this is why along with the lamb, there was something else that you had to eat with the lamb. So can we read point D, please? Ready, go. Okay, remember, Christ, our Passover. He's not only a Passover lamb, but every aspect of the Passover. So we want to see Christ as the one who is the unleavened bread and who is the bitter herbs. What is this? Okay, how about let's read um, Exodus 12, 8. Ready, go. Okay, leaven in the Bible signifies sinful things, evil things. But Christ, remember, he's the sinless one. So he is the one who is the unleavened bread. And you know what? What is bread for, y'all? It's not good for much except to do about one thing with it, right? You're supposed to eat bread. So Christ, as the sinless one, is the unleavened bread. And brothers and sisters, did you know sinlessness is edible? Have you ever thought about that? Striving, ah, I'm trying not to sin, I'm trying not to sin. When sinlessness is edible. Isn't that awesome? Okay, you know, the Word of God is very impressive. And every word in the order of the words is uh, divinely arranged by God for a purpose. Yes. So I want to impress you guys with something here in Exodus 12, 8. Yeah. You know, it says, And they shall eat the flesh in that night roasted with fire. Okay, that's the flesh of the Passover lamb. 
and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and with, no, it doesn't even say and there, sorry, with unleavened bread, with bitter herbs. Okay, notice what it doesn't say. All right, it doesn't say, and they shall eat the flesh in that night, roasted with fire, and they shall eat the unleavened bread and bitter herbs. It doesn't say that. Why does it say, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread, with bitter herbs? We know when you put, when you put a conjunction between two, two things, you're trying to separate them. But remember Christ. He's not only the crucified Christ, not only the resurrected Christ. He is the sinless Christ signified by the unleavened bread. So that's why along with eating of the Passover lamb, the flesh of the Passover lamb, you had to eat it with unleavened bread, with bitter herbs. So if you get Christ, brothers and sisters, you get the whole shebang. You get the crucified Christ. You get the resurrected Christ. And you get the sinless Christ. Sinlessness is edible as Christ is our unleavened bread. And um, what about the bitter herbs? (laughs) How do these come into play? You know, every genuine eating of Christ is the eating of Christ is the Passover lamb with the unleavened bread, with the bitter herbs. You know, when we, when we genuinely eat Christ, He comes in not only as our life supply, He comes in as the sinless one. And, you know, this one, this lovely Christ, um, who knew no sin, He's sensitive towards sin. He has a, he has a feeling concerning sin. He has a bitter feeling concerning sin. And so when we eat Christ, he comes in with this sinlessness. And our sensitivity to sin is increased because the one who has the sensitive feeling concerning sin is now in our being more. And when we sin, um, we should have a genuine feeling of, ah, I don't like that. I hate that I did that. I feel bitter towards that now. Why did I do that? That's the Lord Jesus Christ as the bitter herbs giving you that feeling of conviction. So we need to cooperate with the feeling of this one. When we sin, right then and there, we confess our sins. Apply the blood to have a fresh cleansing, get back into Christ, and get back to enjoying Him. So, um, isn't that wonderful? Christ is so awesome. Life supply, sinlessness, and a bitter feeling regarding sin. You know, many of us, when we first received the Lord, or we had a fresh turn to the Lord, uh, not only were we filled and joyous, but at the same time, we had a serious, deep repentance and conviction. That means we took a big bite of Christ as the Passover lamb with the unleavened bread, with the bitter herbs. But, um, so we've been hitting this matter of eating pretty hard. But we need to see that this is not just a, a common eating that we're talking about. So that's going to bring us to the second Roman numeral. So can we read the second Roman numeral, please? Ready, go. Okay. 
Very interesting. We've been talking about eating, but we're not talking about a common eating. We're talking about an eating with a purpose, an eating for enjoyment. And when you eat for enjoyment, you know what that is? That's a feast. Um, Will, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Greek yogurt. Greek yogurt? Yes. Would you consider that a feast or kind of just like a common eating? Yes, common eating. Common eating. Yeah. For sure, bro. For sure. Pretty standard, right? Yeah, yeah. What about you, Matt, man? What'd you have for breakfast this morning? Oatmeal. 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 That's pretty bland, huh, bro? <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty common eating. We're not talking about a common eating. We're talking about an eating with a purpose, and that purpose is for enjoyment. Yeah. And that's why... Here in God's word, which we'll read here in a little bit, calls it the feast of the Passover. Not the eating of the Passover, but it's a feast of the Passover. And it's not the eating of unleavened bread, but it's a feast of unleavened bread. Because this is an eating for enjoyment. Okay, let's read Exodus 12, 14. Ready, go. And this day will be a memorial to you, and you shall keep it as a Okay, when he says, you shall keep it as a feast, that's the Passover. So right there, the Lord says, you shall keep this Passover, not as a common eating, but as a feast. And not only that, but this day will be a memorial to you. A memorial, the reason the Lord said this was because he wants us to remember the Passover in a very specific and detailed way. But here's the thing. This isn't just a mental exercise of remembering this about the Lord, remembering that about the Lord. But, you know, you trace it here. This memorial... This memorial day is a feasting day. So actually the true remembrance of the Lord, the true remembrance of the Passover is a feasting. Not just a recollection of the details of what the Lord has done, but true remembrance. Um, Giving this day to be a true memorial is to feast. That's kind of the remembrance the Lord wants us to have regarding the Passover. And not only is it just a feast, but it's a feast to Jehovah. Amen. I want to feast to Jehovah with all y'all. Yes. This is precious because you know what? This is a feast for him and this is a feast with him. And you know what makes God really happy? Not even so much our working for him or serving for him, but just consider, oh, wow, this Christ, he's uh, been processed. He's been roasted. He's the unleavened bread. He's the bitter herbs spread as a feast before us. And what makes our God happy is that we feast on this Christ. The more we feast, the more happier he is. And it keeps going. Throughout your generations, as a perpetual statute, you shall keep it as a feast. Perpetual, occurring repeatedly, till it just seems like, man, this is nonstop. A nonstop feast. And not only that, but a statute. A law or rule by God. So, you know, you catch it here. You think God is kind of serious about his people enjoying this wonderful Christ? Perpetual statute throughout your generations. A day of memorial. God wants to gain us as a group of feasters on this Christ with the unleavened bread and the bitter herbs. 
Okay, can we read Exodus 12, 15a? Ready, go. In Exodus 12, 17, ready, go. Can just draw something here to help us all out. So in Exodus 12:15a, seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. But he goes on to say in verse 17, this isn't a common eating. This is the feast of unleavened bread. And you know what? You shall keep this feast as a perpetual statute, something ongoing and that God is commanding us to do. Okay. <laughs> I don't mind if somebody is commanding me to feast. <laughs> you don't have to tell me twice. Yeah. If the feast is prepared, you tell me to go, I'm going. Yeah. So this is the attitude that we should have. Yeah. Our wonderful Christ has been processed as a wonderful feast before us. And God is just wanting us, eat this one, eat this one. Your life supply. Oh, you need to overcome the world. Eat him. You need to overcome sin. Eat him. He's so enjoyable. Not a common eating, but a feast. And so we had to mention seven days. The first day, <clears throat> okay, Feast P is the feast of the Passover. But the feast of unleavened bread lasted seven days. Okay. I'm just going to put f.u.b. Keep our time. The Feast of Unleavened Bread. So the Feast of Unleavened Bread was the continuation of the Passover feast. In the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread was the Feast of the Passover. So, but here's the question. Does God just literally want us to feast for seven days? Surely not, right? I mean, a week flies by, man. Surely not just seven days. What about us? How long does God want us to feast? Okay, that's going to take us to the next point. If we can read letter A, ready, go. Okay, seven days signifies a complete period of time. You look at Genesis 1, God's restoration and further creation, seven days. So seven days in this account in Exodus 12 signifies the entire period of our Christian life. So in God's eyes, for our whole Christian life, it should just be defined as a feast. So we begin our... Christian life. We were redeemed. Thank the Lord. We believed the blood was applied. We got into Christ. Christ got into us and regenerated us. Whoop, my bad. Oh, I'm getting excited here. Praise the Lord for day one. This is the day of our redemption and regeneration. And in God's eyes, this is a feast. Should be a feast. What about the second day? What are we doing this day? 
What are we doing the third day? Peace. The fourth day? Peace. What are we doing 30 years down the road? Peace. 50 years down the road? Peace. We're feasting, brothers and sisters. Yeah. Oh, God wants our Christian life to be defined by feasting. Yeah. From the beginning, our redemption and regeneration, all the way to our glorification, our rapture, will be defined as a feasting life. Amen. And we have these awesome verses in 1 Corinthians 7 through 8. And we get to see Paul's thought concerning the Corinthian believers in the midst of horrible situation. Um, here in 1 Corinthians 5, it's the situation that Paul is addressing regarding an evil brother. And what he did and what he's doing is not even worth mentioning with words. It's just really bad. But what is Paul's uh, thought here? How is he going to address this situation? Okay, we come to these verses. So let's read these verses. Ready, go. Okay, so he's writing this letter to the Corinthians. Genuine children of God, he says, For our Passover Christ has also been sacrificed. You're children of God. You've been redeemed. You've been regenerated. Yes, there's a situation going on with this evil brother, but you know what I'm going to tell you to do? So then... Let us keep the feast. Can you believe that? This was Paul's concept. He was totally one with God and what was on God's heart. That the central vision for these people, these Corinthian believers, was that they need to enjoy Christ as their feast. And the feast here is the feast of unleavened bread. And this unleavened bread is the bread of sincerity and truth. This is the life of our Lord Jesus, the sinless one, the unleavened one, the sincere one, the, so, the one who's so pure and without mixture, the one who is truth, full of reality. This very one is edible. And it's in this feast we're partaking of this one as the Passover lamb, as the unleavened bread with the bitter herbs. And so Paul here... He's bringing them back to the central vision. There's this distraction going on with this evil brother, but what's the main thing? What's the emphasis? What's the goal? The goal is that they would partake and enjoy of Christ, enjoy Christ to be constituted with Christ for God's purpose. And, you know, a lot of times when we have our friends, you know, um, sometimes our friends, they fall away and they do certain things and we do certain things, but we need to remember, okay, our Passover Christ has been sacrificed. We have the blood. We can apply it and be uh, cleansed from our sins. We can get back into Christ. And Christ, he wants to be the feast of unleavened bread to us, constituting us with his sinless life, a life that is pure, a life that is without mixture, a life full of reality and truth for his expression. So if your roommate does something bad, don't slap him upside the head and say, man, why'd you do that? Remember, bring them back to the central vision. Feasting on the Christ of God. Feasting on him as the Passover lamb and unleavened bread. Just a little plug here. Um, you know, we have a lot of freshmen 
coming in, uh, the next wave here in 2015. And you know what God wants them to do? He wants them to feast. A lot of them will be believers in Christ. And God wants them to keep the feast in college. So I hope all of us could help many of them be brought into the central vision, feasting on this wonderful Christ as the Passover lamb with the unleavened bread, with bitter herbs. Okay, so going on to point B here, points to keep the feast in our Christian life. Let's read those three together. Ready, go. So notice, all these are corporate, which is in line with the thought in Exodus, which portrays the corporate aspect of the spiritual experience of God's people. So morning revival with companions. If you have no idea what this is, ask somebody to your left or to your right. And if they don't know, you can come talk to me after the meeting. But this is a life changer. Of course, we need the personal morning revival. But I hope once, twice a week, we would have morning revival with our companions to feast on this Christ. Bible reading with companions. We're about to finish the New Testament and start a new Bible reading schedule this Sunday. So I want to encourage all you guys, um, if you need a schedule as a practical help to get into your Bible, to read it every day. We're reading the New Testament in 180 days. Very doable, very enjoyable, and grab some people to do it with you so you can keep the feast. And not only that, but the home meetings. You know, the feasting occurred in the houses. Of course, that's a picture of Christ. But you know what we like to do? We like to gather in the homes of believers and feast on Christ together. So I encourage you guys also as another way to keep the feast, get into the homes of the believers and enjoy the Lord. And you know what's coming up this weekend, y'all? The college conference. You know what we're going to be doing at the college conference? Feasting. So I hope all of y'all that are going are getting your appetite ready because we're having a feast spread before us and that's what we're going to. So may the Lord continue to bring us more and more into keeping the feast. Uh, Our wonderful Christ who is the Passover has been sacrificed. Let us keep the feast, enjoy the Lord, be constituted with the Lord so we can get out of Egypt and fulfill God's purpose. So um, we have a little excerpt here on the back, and uh, is now a good time, brothers, to maybe group up and read the excerpts? Okay, we'll take a few minutes here, gather up, cluster up, read the excerpts, have some good fellowship.